you know what? You can you can always count on <laughs> you can always count on Jeremiah to be like the first <laughs> I know. And you know what? Hi Jeremiah. I was hoping Jeremiah would be on because this I think is the episode for him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I thought about our interview that, that we did with him um, for being alive. So hey Jeremiah, how you doing? Of course. <laughs> Jeremiah. Duh. <laughs> oh. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody, and welcome tonight to this Confessions Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Dudley, with my sister, my partner in crime tonight, Miss Ingrid Pierre. Ingrid would say what's up to the good people. Hey, people. Missed you, people. How's everybody doing? Uh, Moto couldn't be with us today, and... (laughs) uh, S was being a pastor, so he's he's finishing up a meeting. You so. know what? You lucky you said that because I was gonna say something else about it. So, but I guess you're right. He's being a pastor. You're he's right. Being, he's being you're, a right. you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm not gonna you know, knock him today about his lateness, even though it's not the first time. Mercy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it is what it is. But welcome everybody tonight uh to the Confessions Podcast. It's the first one of the year. Um, I'm not even at this at this point, I'm not even gonna apologize. And the reality is I don't want to apologize. Because I'm not in the wrong this time. For all the other reasons why we haven't been consistent, listen, I listen, blame me. But to I don't I don't really feel bad. I don't. You know why? Because we had our episode uh in October, end of October. Then I went on vacation, a much needed month, six-week vacation. And I took it, and December came, and then we finally came off, and then it was the end of December, it's holiday season, and so everybody had their old stuff, and then Youth Congress. So, and then we're back. So, I I don't feel bad at all. Listen, I, I needed a vacation. Lord knows last year, I needed a vacation. I hear you. But you know what? Nonetheless, let me just say thank you to, you know, those who do watch and stop me and were like, you know, when are you guys gonna have another podcast? You know, because you guys were, were waiting, waiting for us to come back. And here we are. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're yeah, back. life does be lifing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And this life year life. is no different. It started off real crazy, but you know, God is good. And here we are. Good evening. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's been an interesting one. Um, I, I was actually looking forward to having this topic if and whenever we got back. Uh-huh. Um, because right when I was about to get on vacation, uh, we had our well, I was watching our Year end meeting for the NAD, yeah, for the North yeah. American Division, yeah. And uh, I was, I don't, I, I wasn't shocked, but what I was was concerned, and I felt it was something that wasn't getting enough attention, mm-hmm. and so I felt it important, whatever we got back, right, uh, to have this uh, kind of conversation. I hear um, you. I agree. I agree. Let me tell you. So I do go to the end of year meetings for the NAZ, which mm-hmm. is a really unique opportunity um, that Dr. McKenzie has provided me, right, as a young adult rep for the union. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we need to talk about this because, first of all, there's barely anyone my age there. But when you hear these conversations, it just reminds you of how relevant and important having these discussions are because 
if we plan on having a church in the future, like right. we need to bring these topics to the forefront. Right. And I, and I hope that this conversation doesn't just speak to the problem, but ho hopefully it speaks to um, the solutions, but even more so what perpetuated the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if we don't, if we don't recognize our history, we'll be doomed to repeat it. Um, and so I kind of want to flesh out not only where we are, but what got us here. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, mm -hmm. where can we go? And there, mm -hmm. there, there are some great ideas. There's some great um, suggestions that were given from a lot of different people after having this conversation with some people that I wanted to give to Northeastern family uh, and our family um, afar about this. Um, but the topic for today, everybody didn't look at the uh, the thumbnail. Uh, the topic is, is namely this. Where are they? <laughs> and it's uh, a discussion on the next generation uh, ministers, the next generation of ministers. Uh, where exactly are they? Um, it, it is an alarming number of, or, or lack thereof, of uh, incoming students, pastors, ministers going into uh, the work and that might cause a problem in our future. And uh, I just wanted to, 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 to really um, bring it up. Before uh, we get into our conversation, I just also want to say that today's podcast is really special because we are streaming oh, yeah. live for the first time on Instagram. That's right. On IG right now. If you can look for us and follow us and uh and, 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 and watch the live stream it is on northeastern sda at northeastern sda on instagram we are on our instagram um account and we're alive there for the first time uh so it's really exciting so getting some comments from instagram as well as from facebook and youtube all right so um first things first uh is why do you believe ingrid um, <laughs> you, you, I, you sorry, boss, I right? just saw boss's you, comments. You saw boss, right? Hi, boss. <laughs> uh, uh, why do you, why do you believe uh, there is a lack of new pastors entering in ministry? If you can just take a shot in the okay. dark, what would be your number one reason? pastoral abuse and Mercy. that's been so many things right i feel like oh gosh the abuse comes in a lot of ways right financially um from members um responsibilities like there's just so much abuse i think of pastors mm -hmm. and i feel like people have seen it over the years and are tired, right? And of course, this is me speaking as a lay person, right? But interacting with pastors, you know, being a member at my church, seeing things that go on, I just feel like there's a, you know, a lot of people feel abused and tired. And so when they see it, they just decide, well, I'm going to go into something else, do something else, maybe even, you know, maybe have a career on this end and then do like chaplaincy on the other end, as opposed to going into full-time pastoral ministry. Mm. So uh, 
for me, my first impression was millennials and every generation that came after us uh, are really, really more focused more than ever on our mental health. <laughs> and for whatever reason, you know, we'll always choose our peace over anything else. Right. And I mean, that like that goes with the like and I hope no one gets this wrong when I say or use the term abuse. Right. Because I just feel like there is this. Over the years, there's become this over reliance on pastors to kind of be everything, everything. Yeah. to people. And it is such an unfair expectation because yeah. you all are people, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And 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 in retrospect, you can't hide the ultimate problems with this particular job, as you might with every other job, because whether people are aware of it or not, being a minister, it is a occupation, and we'll get there in a second, but it's an occupation that allows different parts of your life to be intertwined. Mm-hmm. Right, because and especially within the Adventist Church, I found as an Adventist pastor, your your professional life is mixed in with your social life. Uh-huh. You know, um, and if if you have a private life, you, it's not really that private. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, a lot of those. So, where where uh, in other people's jobs, they can go do what they're gonna do, their nine mm-hmm. to five, and then take off that hat. That's right. There, there's no taking up off of the hat, and so many right. times people look at that and say, "Do I really want to be under the microscope all the time?" And what's the advantages of that? Really, mm-hmm. I don't really care to be in the limelight. I don't really, really care to, you know, be in charge right. anymore. That, that I'll choose my peace or anything like that. So, mm. and especially for you, like pastors that have young children, I really pray for you guys. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Mm. I saw that comment. Because, I mean, pastors that have young children, you know, your children are in this unfair position as well. Like like you said, you're at a church or they have a church family and, you know, everyone's looking at the pastor's kids and this, that, and the third. It, ugh, I don't know. Oh, someone said I was on IG, but it's better over here. <laughs> okay. Well, just as long as, you, as long as you're watching. Wherever you are, as long as yeah. you're in the house. And so, yes. Oh, and can I, I know I'm a little all over the place, but like Thorley, can you put Thorley's comment up, right? Because I I wanted to get to that at some point in our conversation because there, I feel like our saving Mm. grace right now are pastors that have come in as a second career, like Thorley, like my mentor, Crystal Ward, Pastor Crystal Ward in Maryland, like they've had other careers for years and then they've transitioned to pastoring because they've had that call in their life. And thank God for that because- Honestly, like you said, the trajectory that we're on is not a positive. Well, and yes, that that's mm. a very good point. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting um, that that whole idea of it's being it's a call because that's also the problem too. Is that a lot of times, you know, people aren't realizing that this indeed is not a career. It is a, it is a calling, you know. And so I guess the better question might be with this, you know, is God like not calling enough people? Well, I mean, I think you see you, not you, answering the call. You just said something interesting, right? You said it's not a career, but I feel like it has to be a, a healthy balance of both, right? Because 
while it is a call, if you choose that path, it it has to become a career in the sense that it has to be something that sustains you and your family. Right. Right. Um, because we still have to live, right? You still have to live. So yes, it is a call. It is a it is a call that, you know, I I don't know, I don't think I am called, but I do think there has to be a coupling of the calling and the career so that people can take care of their families. Yeah, but I hear that. I, I hear that, but there's a problem with that. Okay. Or at least here's my fear. My fear is never getting it to a point where it's called a career because once you label the career, then you begin to start to place ambition. Okay. Because if I even okay. to my career, I want to see it go somewhere, right? But if this is a calling, then this is not necessarily my direction. I'm led unto where the Lord calls me to be, whether it's ministry at a church with five people or it's the conference president. But then there should be no about ambition. That, right? Forget about the conference president part, but like, okay, even as a calling, right? Even if you start out in a church with five people. Isn't your calling supposed to lead you to grow that congregation? Like, isn't that part of what you're called to do? Which to me is still growing who you are in your ministry. I won't Mm -hmm. call it career or field in your ministry. Like, because if you're there for three years and that y'all still have five people. Mercy. There's still, I feel like there's still something wrong with that part of it. So you, there, there is ambition in a sense, but the ambition is different. Right, it's aligned to what Christ would have you do as a part of your call. I hear that. I, I receive that. I stand corrected. Because, yeah, because as you say that, my ambition should be towards growth, towards right. transformation right. of my members. You know, if you're looking at it to be that, then, then sure, then you can have ambition. Um, but but I guess I guess for me, ambition in the sense of controlling the destiny of where. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I know. Right. But, but okay, so 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 with this this challenge of being called or recognizing your call the reality is is that there are many people who aren't answering the call for whatever reason mm-hmm. and they and they're doing that for either whether their own peace whether the whether the pay as um uh, pastor grissom had mentioned whether the fact that there are other ministry related opportunities that allows me to have my cake and eat it too you know why do i have to be a pastor to be a minister i can be a chaplain and be a minister i can be uh, uh an evangelist and be a minister i can you know be a a a a medical missionary and be a minister and so it's it's namely the pastoral ministry really that we find it very difficult uh for people to want and get excited for jumping into this thing and 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 for me, I I, I have to re- remind myself how I was called, mm-hmm. and I remember. And this this is this is I don't want to shout anybody out, right? <laughs> um, but this story is Je- Jeremiah. This story is for you. <laughs> so I remember knowing exactly, exactly when I was called to be a pastor. Okay. And when I was called to be a pastor, no lie. I was 16 years old. Okay. It was a week of prayer at my home church, Maranatha, French, in Queens. Yes. Paul Graham was doing the week of prayer. Let me. I don't know. He needs to get on. He needs to hear this. I don't know. I don't even know if I ever showed. (laughs) 
And this story with him, which this this story is going to date him because I'm like 40. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he was doing the week of prayer, right? And when he was doing the week of prayer, it was like a Tuesday, like one of the, the slow nights. And he was doing the week of prayer. And when everyone was like enjoying the sermon and, listen, and, and listening to what he was saying, mm -hmm. I was sort of listening to how he was saying it. Okay, he's, he's making this point. He's going to transition to this. It, or, or I was kind of like preaching it ahead of him. Long story mm -hmm. short, service, sermon is over. I go to him. When the service is over, my little pudgy behind, go up to him, say, you know, Pastor Graham, uh, your sermon was good, but, you know, I, I think I could do what you do. And he said, <laughs> what? He said, yeah, I think I could be a pastor. I think I could do what you do. I said, let me ask you a question. How did you know you were supposed to be a pastor? How did you know you got to call you a pastor? And I'll never forget him saying this to me. He said to me, I remember when I was young, I went up to a pastor and I asked, and I told him, I can do what you do. Mm. And once he said that, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and I ran from that thing. And I ran from it because, my, like, my father knew a lot of pastors. He was friends with a lot of pastors. He was like you in a lot of ways. Friends with a lot of pastors, worked and served in the church in a lot of different capacities. And so there are a lot of pastors who came to the house. I used to see them. And they used to, like, pour on to my father all the plights of being a pastor. So I'm like, man, it's, 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 <laughs> this is, whoa, this job is tough. Membership is tough. Dealing with all this, it's tough. It's not mm -hmm. as glamorous as you think. I mean, you, you, the glamour is sort of there in the sense that the Adventist church, it almost seems like you're in your own bubble. This is your own world. And so because of that, you feel like anybody who's the leader of that social group, that 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 bubble that you're in, it, it's like lauded and put on a pedestal. And sometimes people see that and just are admired by it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, I saw it. I said, no way. I can't do it. Absolutely. I can't do it because I've heard too many horror stories. And I, I literally plunged into every area of ministry except Except pastoral mm -hmm. ministry to mm -hmm. compensate for not going into pastoral ministry, i.e. Pathfinders. <laughs> you you know the story, um, and so yeah, it, it was, and so it was it, it was it was crazy, and so and so full story, bringing this thing to a close, at least my mm -hmm. my story to a close, is that I I remember finally. I, you know, I, I graduated with my communications degree. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working for a healthcare web development company. Um, I'm doing, I mean, you know, you're just doing my thing. Running. You know what I'm saying? Making my little money. I love my, have my little <laughs> Honda, Honda Civic, my cherry red Honda Civic. Erwin yeah. knows that, that Civic. Erwin <laughs> knows that Civic. My little cherry red Honda Civic. I was doing my thing, making my money. I was fine. Mm. And then 2008 hit, Obama became president, recession came. Mercy. And I lost my job. Wow. And then that whole year, 2009, yeah, 2009, I, I just felt a feeling in your gut that is undeniable. You yeah, can't yeah. sleep. You can't eat. It's just there. And Mercy. so when you pray about it, and then God is, just confirms it for you. And the rest is history. I went back to school, and the rest is history. But, but that calling, that gut feeling, that notion it's not like i didn't know but i ran from it until god literally had to put me in a corner and remove all other things mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. allow me 
um, to allow me the opportunity. <laughs> I know. I signed too. <laughs> I know. I saw this comment. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> the opportunity to accept his call, you know, um, I, I just feel I just feel that it is a sad reality mm-hmm. that we've gotten to a point yeah. where people aren't doing that anymore. Yeah. Now, some startling, some startling information. So we got a clip. I want to play this clip. Okay. And then we'll discuss the clip really quick. It is a clip, Pastor Ho- Jose Cortez. He's the Associate Ministerial Director for North American Division. He gave this uh, report. It was a part of a m- bigger report from the Ministerial Department. If you want to go back, you can go to North American Division's mm-hmm. uh, YouTube and go watch it uh, from last year. But I want to play a clip of what he said, and then we'll we'll discuss it. Here it is. Okay. Thank you, Esther. You guys look a little bit tense, but you look good. I almost feel like saying happy Sabbath, even though I know. Very quickly, between those of us who work in leadership at one office somewhere in North America, and all of the pastors that we have across North America, we have an estimate of about 4,300 pastors. Now, for the next few moments, I will deal only with the pastors. We will highlight only the pastors who are at the local church. So very quickly, we have a total of about 3,677 pastors that pastor a church in North America. And you will see our pastors divided right here by groups. Today, If we were asked today how many are eligible for retirement, today 410 of those pastors, and I'm not talking about the people in this room, I'm talking about pastors at a local church today, 410 are ready for retirement, (laughs) or eligible for retirement. (laughs) Two different things, right? Yeah, I think that was a little different. Be ready. He said, he said, ready for retirement. <laughs> he should say eligible. Say it okay? If we look at the next five years, some of you are looking at me funny. I mean, we're not trying anything. We're just giving you information. 880 pastors will be eligible for retirement within the next five years. But quickly, I want to do a comparison with five years ago. Where were we five years ago? Look at 2018. We had about 792 pastors uh, who had the age about five years ago. And if we go back to 2013, we can see that we had 663 pastors 10 years ago. So you can see the trend. But the question is, how many will retire? How many can? (laughs) Mercy. Let's go back 10 years ago. We had 663 and 290 did retire. Five years ago, we had 792 and 430 did retire. So we have a conservative projection for what may happen during this period. We think with a conservative projection that if the trend holds, perhaps we will have about 480 that will retire during this time. But I want to say this. We do not only lose pastors to retirement. We lose pastors 
to our offices. Ha, ah, that's us. That's me. That's me. When there is an, when they, I'm not saying that you're lost, you know, but I'm saying that we lose pastors to leadership, conference, union, and division, and general conference leadership. Ten years ago, we had to look for leaders, and we went to the churches, and we had 147 church pastors that went to the office. Wow. Five years ago, if we look at that period of time, we had 179 pastors that went to leadership offices. And a conservative, because we've had so much change already, a conservative projection is that in, during this time, we will have about 150 pastors that will go to offices. But we don't only lose pastors to the office and leadership, we lose pastors also because of attrition. Hmm. Mercy. 10 years ago, 256. And I'm going to say this, uh, some of you right away when we th Real quick, real quick, mm -hmm. Ingrid. Ingrid. <laughs> Don't sleep on attrition. Mm -hmm. And he, he's about to say it too, because I, I, obviously I know the clip. But he, <laughs> attrition is not necessarily like, you know, pastors who went into scandal. Ironically, right. a, lot, a lot more pastors are leaving ministry simply because they just can't take it anymore. Right. 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 Okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Think about this. You're thinking moral failure. It's not it's not moral failure. It's uh, many different, many different mm -hmm. reasons why pastors leave ministry. Mm -hmm. So I'm just uh, calling it attrition right here. Ten years ago, we lost 256. Five years ago, we lost 348. And a conservative, a conservative mm -hmm. projection is that we may lose about 300. It could be more. So how do we talk about when we talk about losses versus gain? This is the one that hit me. This is how the we do. You have the losses. You have the gains. These are the students. But now <laughs> let me add a little something here. Mercy. Those in green are the projections of graduates that we will have during this time. But I want to remind you, as you know, those of you who, who go to interview, that not everyone who you interview is someone that you will hire. Right. So these are the ones that will graduate. It not, does not necessarily mean that each one of those will get a, a job in the Adventist church. Mm. But besides that, we have the number in yellow, the 317. These are chaplains and non-NAD, non-NAD students. Uh, Many of them would like to stay here, but some of them will go back, will go back to the territory, which puts us at a deficit of 427 pastors in the next five years. Mercy. And this is a conservative, this is a conservative yeah. estimate, which puts us at a deficit of about 85 pastors per year. And this is our conservative Estimate. Let me just go and do a, an estimate that is not so so conservative. <laughs> Things could be worse. We did our conservative estimate, but if it was a little worse, it could be to the point that in the next five years we will need about 697 pastors uh, within the next five years and about 140 pastors per year. What a mercy. So, in a nutshell, we're losing pastors 
for many different reasons. Absolutely. Whether through lead leadership, whether through attrition, and we're not bringing in the amount that we're, 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 we're that we're losing. No, we're not. And I mean, when you look at the average age of a pastor right now, right? Like we said, and I'm reading the comments as you're as you're playing the video. So many pastors right now are approaching or already have passed the age where they can retire, but they're still working. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them maybe because they feel like they have to, um, they can't afford to retire, or they they see the need for the ministry to continue because they don't know how many people will be coming into ministry. But something that I saw in the chat that I would like you to kind of tell us about as a pastor, right? Somebody said like there are a lot of pastors that are not picked up, right? So what is that? Because I've heard about that. I don't know it. You know, um, <laughs> most of the, the friends that I have that have gone to seminary, they've been picked up. So right. what is this phenomenon of people that are not being picked up? What's the problem? Well, I, I could I could give you a thousand reasons. Mm -hmm. What I could quickly say that would probably make the most sense is being, it feels like, it feels like being a pastor mm -hmm. is like trying to get signed to a record label. Mercy. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Me, I, I hear you. Okay. Hear okay. I'm hearing. I'm hearing you. It, 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 it literally is. You you try to do put a, put together your best mixtape. You know you you, you know you want to preach extremely well because the people who preach extremely well get the mm -hmm. most attention, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and apparently, mm -hmm. preaching means that you can pastor. I mean, obviously that's a mistake, but for whatever reason, obviously. that's the, you know, that's one of the major things that I guess people look for, right? Uh, and so a lot of times the preachers get picked up quick, but the people who don't necessarily where, where preaching isn't necessarily their greatest gift, they have, may have gift gifted in gifted in other great areas, but mm -hmm. preaching isn't their greatest gift, you know, you gotta like pass around your mix mixtape. You got to, you know, familiarize yourself with different record labels and hopefully you can get put on. And the reality is just like a, just like life. It, a lot of it is about who, you know, you know, if, if, if somebody didn't know you or or you didn't work for somebody or mm -hmm. intern at that, you know, evangelistic series or, or so on, you just won't <laughs> get noticed. Yeah. And so a lot of times people, people who get called into ministry mm -hmm. don't necessarily get picked up for the reasons that they just weren't known or their ministry wasn't recognized by the leadership at the time. And so they find themselves getting into doing other things and then they get, they, they have, they get married, they have children. Now they're not going to lose their job. Right. You know, they go back into it, hopefully. Right. You know, and then they, they just continue to live their life. I, I know I went to many, I went to school with many friends. Mm-hmm. Didn't get picked up. I mean, we always in Greek and Hebrew together, Mercy. and a percentage of that number, you know, I can say is actually in, you know, pastoral ministry, mm -hmm. and that's just mm -hmm. the reality of it. Because many times people, let's just call it what it is, people see preaching to mean pastoring, where you know the reality is you, you you're missing a lot of good pastors, male and female, mm -hmm. um, who may not necessarily be the best preachers, but they they love people. You know, no, I hear that. Over. Like, I mean, I've like we've had some really good preachers at Five, which they were great pastors too. But one of my favorites was one that 
he wasn't known for his preaching, but as a pastor, just like as a person who pastored people, he was phenomenal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, I'm gonna leave it there. But there was a comment, right? <laughs> Where um, so Rodney was like, I heard an older pastor friend who refused to retire because he thought that the newer generation would mess up the church. And that is something that I've heard. That is a conversation that I hear happening a lot more. Wow. Um, you know, that, you know, older pastors are saying like, oh, these new pastors, they don't, they don't know prophecy. They don't preach prophecy. They, you know, they go up there and they just want to, you know, um, be cool and chill and whatever, whatever, whatever. And they don't feel like they're prepared. So now my question now is what exists for, you know, older, more seasoned pastors to serve as, you know, mentors to younger, you know, newer pastors who have yeah. different ideas from them. Yeah. I I think I think that's I think that's an amazing idea. I think that that could answer a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. I also but I also also realize too that younger and it, it, it's not it's not a wrong or right. This is just reality. Um depending on who you are, depending mm-hmm. on what age range or generation you're from, your priorities are different. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that things are more or less important right. uh, to you, but there are certain things based on who you know you're preaching to that you know that this generation needs to hear this more than something else. And so when a young person, like for me, if I'm preaching relationship with Jesus, uh-huh. I'm preaching relationship with Jesus because I know I'm preaching it to a generation who's heard prophecy to, yeah, yeah, yeah. through the yin yang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there needs to be balance. <laughs> Where you kind of have a generation before who didn't hear anything about prophecy, right? They, so they needed truth, and so right. I think that that you, that God calls ministers to preach a message in a season that the people need to hear it. Proph- prophets only come in yes. time with messages. I agree, but let me let me just tell you my assessment, right? And I, as I'm reading um, Rodney's comment about church elders who are better, right? It just reminded me of the demographics of a lot of our churches. Mm. Unfortunately, right, there has to be some kind of relationship between the two because a lot of our churches are are old, Dudley. Ain't no young people there, okay? okay? And so you have, some of them don't even receive young pastors because they feel like, what this little boy or little girl going to teach me? who've been an Adventist longer than they've been alive. And that's another problem because if I was a young person that wanted to go into pastor and I'd probably be afraid, especially right. depending on what kind of congregation they put me in, because I feel like I'd be eaten alive by these people that don't want to listen to me. Mercy. And so this, this sort of fast forwards a little bit to my conclusion mm-hmm. or to my answer. I don't, I, there are many answers. I think they can fix it, but I, I, I say you're so right. That I feel like one of the major reasons, above a lot of other reasons, why there aren't ministers, young ministers entering in to the, the calling is because there's no room for them to minister. And, and if there's no room for me, if I'm looking at, you know, the churches and I'm realizing that there isn't a church that's going to speak to areas where I feel my my calling is going to mm-hmm. be manifest, then, you know, you know what, let me pull back. And so this is the answer where I feel like it, it, it might be important because there's another clip. I didn't get it, 
but I should mm-hmm. I should have got it that mm-hmm. that Dr. Cortez mentioned where he spoke about and I listen I'm a proponent to this is church planting. The reality is is that what made our church great back in its heyday is when churches planted churches. Mm-hmm. Right? But now we've gotten to a point where you know churches are not planting churches anymore. Now granted exactly. a lot of it yeah. Some of our churches need to be collapsed. Are you kidding you're, me? No, no, you're right. You're right. No, no, but hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm not even talking about that. Okay. Right. All right. You're Sorry. Right. You're right, though. We do need to, because we need to be working and growing. Amen. For right. the kingdom. No, what, I'm saying, yes. what I'm saying yes. is, what I'm saying is, is that, that for whatever reason, the, the, the hard part is, is that we've have a people who have planted churches a lot in their past and they're tired and they don't want to do that anymore. And they need us do that work but right. us the problem is we've been a lot of us and our friends have been kicked to the side for so many years now they're like you know what it's your church you you figure it out and mm-hmm. so that's the, that's the dichotomy that we're in but just speaking just let me finish just this, this, this thought here mm-hmm. that we need to plant churches because the reality is you're never going to change said adventist church on the block it's right. it was planted a certain way it has a culture. It has a feel. It has a dynamic. It, 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 that's just what it is. And anybody who thinks you're going to go into that church and totally revamp that entire church, well, good luck. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it, it might have happened once or twice. But the reality is, is that church, I'm not going to call any church's names, but that church is going to be that church. And that's just what it is. Right. Asian right. People, that's it. Right. And so but- what you got. What you have to do is you have to plant churches with the intention of, okay, I want this church to be a progressive church. I want this church to be a this church with with that intention. Because if you're not planting new churches for the sake of building the the, the faith, building Mm -hmm. with an intention of building churches that you want to see in the next 10 to 20 years, the church is going to die. And you're not going to have enough pastors that fill the spaces that are needed because Mm -hmm. there aren't spaces provided. Right. Right. I hear you. And I agree with everything that you said. And I'm, I'm here for you. And I'm here for all these comments that are coming through. Right. Perfect. I see them. But and let me say this. Right. And I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I want to go back to the question about who is considered a young pastor. To me, I have friends that are pastors. They're like 27, 28, going up to like even early 40s, because I know pastors that have been in ministry 15 to 20 years Perfect. and they'll go to a new congregation that is older and they look at that person like, and they're like, I've been a pastor for 20 years. Like, I know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they they look a little younger, a little, you know, whatever, you know, they present the word a little differently and they don't have that respect. And, you know, I feel like, you know, people are not blind. Like you said, if, if I grew up in the Adventist church and I see everything that I'm seeing, unless I am a Jeremiah who is just so focused on his calling and he knows what it is, he's not running from it, Right. I might be like, yo, bump this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with these people. I don't want to deal with their attitudes. I don't want to have to fight so hard. And then the other thing that someone said is, and it's true, and it's honestly, it's true for most, um, you know, fields that you go into. What what you deal with in school does not prepare you for the practical, right? So, so, you, all, so you all go to school. At, but even for me, like, you know, as an educator, like you learn all these wonderful theoretical things and then you go into the classroom and you yeah. got to deal with these 
children, these, Mercy. you know, these, these lovely, wonderful children. And it's like, yo, school did not prepare me for this. So I can only imagine for you as a pastor, like you're going and you're learning, you know, doctrine and Greek and all your different languages and you're learning, you know, you have your different theoretical coursework and then you step into a church or you're placed in a church right, in a location with a certain demographic. And you're like, what? Like, where am I? Let me, let me, let me hit you with this. <laughs> where have you ever known any other occupation for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where a new graduate, their first job is chairman of a board. I'm saying <laughs> what other but... job other than a pastor that when you when you get out of school, mm-hmm. your first job is to be the chairman of that board. But you know, you know what I can say to you? You're right. Nowhere. Nowhere, Feldini, nowhere. But Nada. what I can say is that the church, like prepares us for anything because as a non-pastor, as a lay person, right, I have been able to go into the world of work and chair meetings, sit on cabinets, have certain conversations very Mm -hmm. confidently and comfortably because I've been on church board and because I've been in business meetings and because we've learned, you know, rules of order and how to do motions and all that kind of stuff. So you're right. It is nowhere. It is nowhere. But y'all got this. Yeah, got this. <laughs> and and and, I, and so that's the reason why. So it, it kind of merges my idea with yours. Is that now more than ever, I think we can find different yep. reasons as to why pastors aren't entering into ministry till the cows come home. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of the church, I feel one of the big things that we need to get backed into mm-hmm. is lay pastors. Okay, volunteer, volunteer pastoring. Take mm-hmm. for example, Pastor Claudia Allen. Hey, Pastor My Claudia, friend, she's amazing. Claudia Allen. She's a lay pastor mm-hmm. for Emmanuel Brinklow, SDA in mm-hmm. Virginia, right? Yeah. And, 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 and there are many pastors who are planting churches who mm-hmm. are who didn't go to school to be pastors. Mm-hmm. They're lawyers and you know, plumbers and whomever, but they 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 felt a call to plant a church. They felt a call to 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 push the church forward, and so yeah. they did that. And so and so Amen. and so, I think that 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 above amongst all of the different concerns that we have towards ministry, there are different avenues for us to do so. Right. If we begin to start to realize the importance of mission, if the church is still not in mission, if we are not mission oriented, we are lost. And I think one of our biggest problems as generations that are younger is that we lack the sense of being missionary oriented to the extent that we aren't so much concerned about the growth of the church as much as 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 much as we are concerned about the care of our community yeah, i yeah, think yeah. we need to keep that same energy because we saw saw such a lack of love towards our community our generation just poured towards community activism and mm-hmm. trying to do things for the community and it it's to the detriment of what's happening at home right. and we need to balance that level of energy and be able to speak to the the urgent urgent cry that our church need leadership right. it needs young lay pastors if nothing else to push the church forward and okay so and someone was like well how does that make it easier so in my mind listening to you like 
if you have lay pastors, especially people like Pastor Claudia, that she has the ability to do certain things with a particular attention to focus and like dealing with the community, right? If I'm a pastor and I have a, a, a lay pastor like Pastor Claudia, like she's going to take that off my plate. Like she's going to take that and run with it. And she's going to be a leader in the church. And I feel like essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, that's what you're saying. Like pastors need help. They mm-hmm. need other people to assist. And I feel like, but you have to know that, right? You have to know what areas you're, you're strong in as a pastor and what areas you can use support in as a pastor. And that's one of the things, you know, some of the best pastors that I've experienced as a lay person have been pastors that have said, okay, Ingrid, you know, this is my area of weakness. Like, how can you support me in this? Mm-hmm. And then I provide that support. But then there are other pastors that are like, well, I don't have any areas of weakness, so they don't feel like they need help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty much like for the sake, sorry, for the sake of filling vacancies, because like it's it's impossible for one person, you know, you all try so hard, but that's why lay leadership is super important in, in, in my opinion. It's, yeah. it's, it's very important. I want to, I want to go back a little bit to the, to the reasons why pastors leave some from retirement, Mm -hmm. some from leadership. And what was the Mm -hmm. last one? Some from attrition. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to quote, I'm just going to tell you what it is. Okay. Ingrid, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm listening. I don't believe not only our problem is we don't have enough ministers coming in. Mm-hmm. So some of our, our biggest problems also is we're not going to have a lot of pastors who are in staying in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that there are, do you know how many friends of mine in ministry have a second degree? Oh yeah. Now and now it is, Ever present, ever present. I, yeah. How many people who the reality is too, they are planning an exit? Okay. All right. So, so, so how do how do we how do we combat this? Because no, you're right, right? And so I know a couple of young pastors that have said outright, like, I don't know how long I'm going to last, right? right. They're trying, but they say, I don't know how long I'm going to last. They come in with a very different work model, right? And they, I mean, off the back, they they receive so much pushback that it's like, I don't think I'm going to last here. Mm. <laughs> Start building tents. <laughs> Lord have mercy. We need a tent revival. Mercy. Mer- yeah, and so, and so... Uh, the reality is, is that there is a quicker level of burnout. Yeah. There is a deeper appreciation towards um, uh, uh, people's health and joy and well-being. People are seeing pastors who have been working for 40, 50 years. And then the, you know, the church has taken literally their life. And then when they finally retire, pastors are dying like, one, two years after after they got retired. 
mm-hmm. to the point where you're just like, whoa, do I really want to do this? There's a lot. There's a lot to consider. So let me ask you about this comment, right? It says the original model was that uh, was the ministers planted churches and the elders took care in the church. Yeah, that was the original model. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't ex- First of all, do you see... Okay, please nobody kill me. Do we see some of the elders in our churches today? What about what about the elders in our churches today, Ingrid? What do you what is what this, do you okay. imply? Okay, what I'm saying, okay, is that there's a couple of things. Some of them don't have the time because they have careers and all kinds of things, right? Because number one, right, there are a whole lot of older men that would be made elders before me. I don't want to be an elder, but I'm just saying like, they are considered because of the profession that they have, not the availability, right? Then mm-hmm. there are others that are elders for elders' namesake and have no intention of caring for the church, doing visits, doing you know, caring for the church in the way that was originally meant for it to be, Mercy. right? And so they're elders on Sabbath. Okay. And, 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 so and, what, and good, I, what good are they to the pastor? Please tell me. Well, who elected them? You right, girl. Who elected them? Every <laughs> it's true. You know what? Let the, me stop. The, the, church, the church elected them. I, Dr. Harvey, I, my, my pastor could be watching this. Let me just be quiet. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Listen, listen I, I I feel that there are there are many leaders who is called, that has been called to leadership that might have bitten off more than they can chew, maybe not necessarily mm. been prepared for it, et cetera. God knows why everyone's called for their particular reasons. Uh-huh. What what I will say, though, is this, is that the pastor-elder relationship has sort of been hmm. um, challenged over the years. Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to talk about original, right, mm-hmm. where it was back in the day, originally what happened was there was a there was it's supposed to be a relationship yeah. between the pastor and the elder where yeah. the elders are really the the, the lay pastors in yeah, the yeah, sense yeah. where absolutely the church elects these people to serve to help the pastor assigned to the church in areas where the pastor may not necessarily know the plight that's going on with the church. Hey, listen, I'm plugged in pastor. I'm going to tell you this family is this. I go to visit this family. I go to visit this so-and-so. So so I'm going to tell you what's going on. And and they should be an aid in giving the pastor information that they may not necessarily know and give them also counsel too. Hey, listen, I think we should go this way, this way, this way. But at the end of the day, you know, it's your prerogative. God has called you to shepherd this entire flock. And, and what has happened over the years is that relationship is sort of where it's changed, where the, the elder might have realized their importance in their level of influence and then begins to start to change the relationship and say, well, pastor, you need me in this mm-hmm. because of my influence. And so you can't do anything unless you gain my respect because I'm the one that's going to these people, these members' house. I was the, the person who's been here for 20, 30 years. And so I have mm-hmm. this relationship and I have this tie over the church. And so th- there has to be a level of spiritual maturity in all different areas. Absolutely. So that we can begin to, to go back to the original model of being able to partner with one another, co-labor, as the Adventists love to, to call it, um, as we push ourselves forward. Um, and, and that's just it. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> There's just so much to digest. Um, yeah, go ahead. 
okay. I was gonna I was gonna try to say okay. Let, 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 so let's 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 pose some. We we we've we've gone through the problems, mm-hmm. the, the reality of mm-hmm. the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a young pastor out there today, if they are listening and watching this podcast, this episode today, um, what would you advise them if they are struggling in their calling to ministry? What would you say to them to encourage them in their ministerial walk? I have mine. I'm just no. I mean, honestly, you know, thinking about today's episode, I would want a young pastor to know that you know God is going to use you in somebody's life so powerfully, you won't even know what to do with that blessing, right? Because there are some pastors that have really, really blessed my life, right? And I don't even think that they understand the magnitude of what they've done for me or for my children. And so, you know, sometimes those moments of discouragement come, but, you know, when God calls you, it's for a reason and he's going to use you in a way that is going to blow your mind. That, mm. That's what I would say. Um, the first thing I would say to a young person who feels the call to ministry, I would say to them, um, do not define your pastoral ministry to be what a conference or another pastor says about your ministry. Mm-hmm. You might get discouraged. Um, you you know because the odds are is that you might not necessarily be the baddest preacher on the block. Right. The, the, the chances of that is you know one in whatever. Mm-hmm. And so and so though your ministry may not necessarily be noticed, may, you might not be recognized in what you're doing. Remain faithful in the areas that God has called you to be. Mm-hmm. Don't look ahead. Don't look to seeing your pastoral ministry with the, that career ambition. Remember when we talked about that? Yeah, in the yeah, sense yeah, where yeah. I, I, I need to get here and I need to get there or et cetera. Um, just be faithful in where you are. Mm-hmm. And as you're faithful in where you are, you'll God. see and be consistent in where you are. You'll see how God opens doors. Yes. Um, the second thing that mm-hmm. I would say to a pastor that has the call to ministry is no matter what the plight is, n- lack of pay, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. disrespect, whatever the, 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 the thing you heard Mercy. about, you know, pastoring. Right. You, you have to re- also remember, too, you have a God that's greater than all of this, who despite knowing all of this, the same God who says, my yoke is easy and my mm. burden is light, has called you to this particular action. Mercy. And so there has to be a, a, a recognition of saying, hey, listen, as much as God has promised he takes care of the birds of the air and the grass and the trees, if the God that I serve is calling me to this work, as much as I understand how heavy it is, God is not going to bring me to something that he has not, just, he's not going to equip yeah. me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, and, and that has to be it. There, there has to be a level of selflessness mm-hmm. in this. Um, and, and so for me, I found my best success that's ever happened in my life was the day I began not to want. 
David Psalm 23 is so powerful because it's it it's when he recognized the Lord was his shepherd mm-hmm, is when mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. declares, I shall not mm-hmm. want. It's mm-hmm. his relation to the shepherd that gives right. him the reason. Not to yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's our want sometimes that gets mm-hmm. our calling skewed. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 our it's for 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 better or worse. It's our knowledge, mm-hmm. and sometimes we're too smart for our own good. And sometimes <laughs> we overthink God's yeah. calling and say, "No, nah, we're talking about God. There's some snakes over there. I ain't trying to step over there. This, don't you see that? That ain't gonna be me." Yeah. And, and that's just what it is, especially with you know generations like us who we think we know it all. You know what I'm saying? Because we're in the if you were we're the information generation yeah you know what i'm saying and so and, and so there has to be a certain level of selflessness i mm-hmm. feel in this calling absolutely uh, to remind yourself in absolutely absolutely i think that's powerful and i feel like you know in this calling and and in all of our individual callings that that complete dependency yes is 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 what we need right Period. That dependency on God to to lead us where He would have us to go, and we not lead ourselves. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the final thing I'll probably say uh, with this tonight is mm-hmm. um, to mention also the importance of seeking <laughs> good mentors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh Lord, I didn't understand the importance of mentor mentorship. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't understand um, the importance until later mm-hmm. um, that having someone to call, having someone to convey your fears, someone who's been there and uh, walked through it mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. young pastor, if you have a fear of entering into ministry, find your, find yourself somebody that's going to give you the real. That's going to tell you exactly how it is, how it feels, you know, your disappointments and so on. So it becomes so, tangible for you. Go ahead, go ahead. Let's talk about that because I don't know if you just saw the last comment that no, um, Gary A made. Um, Reg, I'll put it up. Yeah. Hey, Pastor G. And so when you talk about mentors, right, you have these, My God. these men, these mighty powerhouses, right? And you're hearing that they died in some sense of object, you know, poverty, right? So that's a tough one for me, right? And and that goes back to the beginning of our conversation where we talk about the fact that, yes, it's a calling, but people have to live. Yeah. Hey, hey, and let me just say this, right? Sure. So let me say this, right? So one of the things that we do discuss at the year-end meetings is this, right? And I know that, you know, the division and conferences are taking steps to try to increase the salary of pastors, right? Incrementally, because- Shout out to them. Shout out to them. I have two kids. (laughs) So this is, this is something that is not only seen, but it's, it's being discussed. And, and I think, again, probably being addressed very slowly, but you, like you- you know, well, you you have a wife, right? That is an NP and brings mm-hmm. to 
the table. So that helps. But to God be the glory. This microphone was baby. <laughs> to God be the glory. Indeed, but what about yeah. pastors that are not in that position who are the main breadwinners for their home? How do they survive? And what would a mentor tell a young pastor, you know, that really feels like they're being called into ministry? How, how are they going to handle this? Big brother, tell me. Yeah, I, to, to be honest with you, I, I I can tell you what mentors have told me. Yes, share. Um, what mentors have told me, right or wrong, whether you like it or not, is stay faithful to God. God will take care of you. Um, there are other mentors who've told me, get yourself another degree. Hmm. You know, um, mm -hmm. you know, make you know, make sure you know. Mm -hmm. I, I remember. I remember when I decided I was going to become a pastor. Yeah. I had an uncle who told me, "No, don't do Mercy. it. No, they're not going. You're not going to make no money. You know, um, get something else." And and to be honest with you, to be honest with you, listen, I'm I'm glad I have my communications. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am. I, I, it gives me. I'm not looking to get out. But right. it gives me a lot of it, it does, it, it gives you a lot of other opportunities. But the other thing, things, you know what I'm saying? Thing I'm gonna make. say, and this I know has been a big thing in our churches, okay. And I don't care how people feel about it, give the pastors their honorariums, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? Please, Jesus, you know, I get it, right? But my god, you know, as a as a speech pathologist, if I if you say, oh, you know, Ingrid, I want you to, you know, evaluate my kid, I can charge you $250 an hour, okay, for my time because of the license that I went to school to obtain. So, I mean, you know, if if I want to invite you to come because I feel like, you know, you're going to break the bread of life, mm. why well, can't give you an honorarium knowing that your salary ain't good? Because the reality is that there are many people who look at honorarium and say, well, hold on, don't I give you tithe? And tithe has just become this. Such a, such a, All right, stop. Because then we're going to go into a whole other I know, I know. But, I'm just, but that's just what it is. That people just, you know, they don't look at that. Well, the reality is, man, I, I, I pray. Like, Ingrid, you're not one of those. You're really plugged in. You really understand the lay of the land. But there are a lot of lay members who don't really understand the plights. Uh, of like a minister doesn't understand that yeah we need that gas money that gas money but that's that hundred that hundred dollar check two hundred dollar threat three hundred dollars go what, a Debbie? long way and that's why I know it's difficult especially like when you say you don't want to call it a career but unfortunately for some individuals in the church if they don't understand that this is your livelihood and well being yeah. they're going to stay stuck in this space. Like, oh, it's a ministry. Yes, it is. But it is a ministry that I'm doing full time. And I have a family to take care of. Be sis, like, you cannot separate the two. You can't. Sis, sis I'm hearing you. Because your children but, need a diapers and food, just like everybody a, else. It, but there's a generation that's going to push back to you and say, well, the son of man said foxes have holes. And you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're going to be... <laughs> I need there to drink people who say, listen, you know what I'm saying? Paul, Paul journeyed X, X place and all this different stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like ministry is not about that. When you oh, sign yeah? up. Okay. So then when they call you at midnight, cause they have an issue, please send them to voicemail. 
Okay. Hey, so that that's that's also so the pastor has to begin to start to really understand the <laughs> set by boundaries, priorities, and what things are important or not. It, I remember um Pastor Grissom said oh, in the chat too, it's important to I think I think it was I think it was, it was, it was that set up set up budgets. You know, pastors weren't budgeting well back right. in the day. You know, right. oh, you know, reason why oh they 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 they, they retired and they died and they're and they're still picking up, you know money or collections is because back in the day you know people weren't budgeting really well and mm. now you know i'm learning from past mm. situation of making sure that you got your ira oh, and make sure that pension is good and you know there's a conversation right. you do early and and you know okay you see they got me going all over the place deadly oh my okay. gosh so i'm looking at okay i'm looking at reg's last comment right reg yeah it's mm. not just the fact this is the truth, right? Let's talk about this for a second, right? And then for those, Pastor people, Grissom, for those people who are listening on the podcast, uh, or Pastor Reginald Gary has said it's not just the salary when you are moved constantly, don't get equity in a home. I got moved in 2008 in the worst housing crash. I'm, I'm assuming that's what he said housing crash and lost my home to foreclosure. When I asked if I could buy a home. But they still moved me without considering my finances. Most pastors' spouses don't get vested a company because you are moved so often. This generation will not tolerate that mistreatment. You, 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 Reg. That's I'm spot on, know. right? So let's pause there for a second because Pastor Grissom also mentioned that some pastors are leaving regional work to go to other conferences. He has it. He didn't really know the relevance in this right. conversation, but let's talk about that, right? Because if you are a pastor, some oh, Pastor Roy is sorry. Pastor Alex is using his iPad. Oh, uh, so, sorry, Pastor Alex. Sorry, all right, go ahead. That's you. That's you. Yes. Yeah, Everything so, I just said is Pastor Pastor Alex. I'm sorry, my bad. Okay, so, but that is a good point, right? Because as a pastor, you all are moved to churches every you know five six years, however often. And I don't really know how the moves take place per se, but when you me are neither. moved, right? What you said? I said me neither. <laughs> but that's a very critical point because if you want to, does that mean that, you know, I don't know what to say. No, no, this no, is no. Point. Point. And even the point about spouses, right? Like how can I build a career for myself if my spouse is being taken all over the place, especially in a regional conference like ours that spans several states. So maybe to Pastor Grissom's point, maybe that's why some pastors are going to state conferences or conferences that are within one state so they can be more grounded. I don't know. Well, I, well Eastern been, is in six states. It's in six states. It's the biggest regional conference there is, which is kind of a hard example because we're like the biggest. But as a person who who pastor who started his ministry in a local conference, mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest, and now in a regional conference, I can tell you <laughs> the reality is I don't know if there's really that that much that much of a difference. If mm -hmm. the, depending on the um the agreements that they that 
that the conferences have towards retirement and benefits and so on and so forth. So that mm-hmm. depends on the specific conference and not necessarily the difference between local and, and regional. You can go to a local conference and they're, you know, it's horrible. And you have to go to a regional conference, which is 10 times bigger, but they'll really give you the, the means for you to try. It depends on, it depends on what it is. All I'm saying is no matter what that, 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 that situation is, yes, the, the hmm. circumstances of money and income are a concern to the ministers that are in ministry <laughs> and the ministers who are coming into ministry. I, I, I circle back to, 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 to saying that I think it's, it's important for people who are aware of mm-hmm. the circumstances of being a pastor, understanding because you had mentors and all these different things of what you're getting into, still recognize, am I being called to this? And if I'm being called to it, and if God is calling me to it, I, my answer can't be no. And so if it's a yes, Lord, now it's going to be, well, yes, Lord. Now, Lord, here's the deal. I've You've told me to this, but I need this. Lord, you yeah. told me to this, but I need, and you, you got to, you got to make a covenant with God in a mm-hmm. lot of areas. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so, and, and there got to be a lot of planning rather than just going by quote unquote, going by faith and say, I'm just going to let the Lord lead. And you get led right into broke. No, I agree. And I mean, you know, and in in making that covenant with God, you know, you you can't you have to hold him true and you can't be afraid to have certain conversations with your congregation and really be upfront about what I think are number one expectations. Okay. Um and say what? Give me money. What do you say? No, I mean, yo, let me tell you, if nothing else, I feel and I've seen this, right? Mm-hmm. You know. I see different pastors and their different styles, but regardless of that, when you when you're not afraid to tell your congregation, you know what it is. And I'm not saying to be rude or disrespectful. I'm just saying, like, all right, guys, we're gonna have a conversation. We're gonna have a family chat, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that I expect of you as members, and this is what I expect for you toward me as your pastor. And then also setting healthy boundaries, right? People will only do as much as you allow them to do, even as a pastor. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think more than ever, the new pastor coming in, it needs to be aware, um, educated on the plights of being a pastor. I think it needs to be highlighted more in workers' mm-hmm. meetings and mm-hmm. in other pastoral meetings as to what to prepare yourself for, mm-hmm. how best to live your life mm-hmm. um, so that you know what boundaries ultimately to set and that you ultimately know exactly how you how how you are um, uh, to, posi- to position yourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jeremiah makes a point. I'm not even going to put it up, but... Um, <laughs> Why are you not going to put it up? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I, listen, this is just a conference pl- platform. This is, this is my personal podcast. I ought to put it up. <laughs> If we you, hear you, though, Jeremiah. We hear you. We hear yeah, you. Yeah, and, and it is true. Yeah. There's there's an inconsistency. I could say that, but because reality is, there are certain churches and certain pastors who leadership sees certain things in, and they, you know, there are a lot more benefits to certain people depending on who they are, mm-hmm. and, and and that's just what it is. So that's going to be one out of the x amount of pastors. So don't try to aim to be that great preacher or whatever the case may be, because most likely you're not going to be. Most likely you're going to be, you know, a person who's just impassionate about the Lord, has a, a great 
uh, talent and other things, children ministry, youth ministry, you know, communications, whatever it is. And that's your, that's the thing that's plugging you into the church. And so remain faithful in that. You know what God I'm saying? God is going to use you. He's going to use you. God is going to use you. You know what I'm saying? It, it took me, can I, can I uh, just tangible, transparent moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me a long time to find my preaching voice. It took well, me a long time. You found it. <laughs> it took me a long time to find my preaching voice because the reality is too, is that sometimes you, you want to do well so badly. Yeah. You, you try to mimic the things. Model some, yeah. 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 yeah, are yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now you try, you try, you try to sound like people that you're not. And so mm-hmm. I began to start to realize, mm, okay, I can't, I'm never going to be my president. I'm never going to be Abraham Jules. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop trying. <laughs> I'm not going to do the cadence. I'm not going to do the rhythm. I'm just not. That's just not me. Yeah, I didn't go to Oakwood. Like, don't, don't shoot me. I didn't go to Oakwood. Don't shoot me. I didn't go to Oakwood. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. That's just not me. Okay? But but what I did find over my years is instead of trying to sound like something, I need to figure out the audience that I'm speaking to and speak to that. And once I began to start to fix my you know, my goal and, and just not really care about what people yeah. thought about and just do the work that I felt was natural, then I was able to be me. And once mm-hmm. you're able to do you, then it becomes easy. And so, and so, and, and so again, what I, why I say that is, is that my, my vice for, um, Ministry was youth ministries, was obviously yeah. communications. Ironically, I'm the social youth director, the communication director. But but those are those are were my strengths. Those are the things that I plunged myself into, you mm-hmm. know. And so you you might not necessarily needed that then, or you might I might not necessarily have been recognized then in the past. But if you just remain faithful, I'm telling you, I'm a living testimony. If you remain faithful mm-hmm. with what you're doing, with who you are, which is be authentic to who you are and yeah. what God has called you to become. Yeah. You get my great job. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh what my saying? God. No, but I mean, it's the truth. And I think being your most authentic self is 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 the key, right? Being your most authentic self, following the calling that God has placed on your life, and being you is is critical in ministry. And it's gonna take you to where God wants you to be. And that's that's really what it is. Yeah. Where God wants you to be, not where you think you should be or where you think you deserve to be. It's not about that, right? But um, I mean, yeah, I I I I hope that there are young people, young adults, or even those who have been running from their calling, Run, right? Running, running. That are watching this that well, maybe you know you know, tune their air into what God has for their lives, right? And mm-hmm. and 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 recommit themselves to following the calling that God has over their life because it's not too late, you know, and, and you can make a difference. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. Yeah. It's the truth. I hear that. Well, um he be spitting I, I, bars. I, yes, yes, yes. He be spitting bars in the pulpit. <laughs> um is that to me? Thanks, thanks, little baby. He no. just, I was, I was just at his church. That's that's, sorry. and that's why. That's why he said I was just, I, I was just at his church on Saturday. Um, well, family, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know if we'll have all the answers to it. 
Um, Never. Obviously, we won't. Never. But I think it's but. important for a conference mm -hmm. um, that if we care about our church, that we understand that this is the reality of our church. It is. You know, there. You know, <laughs> you got to really read the room and realize, recognize the red flags, understand the signs of the times because mm -hmm. they are telling. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that there are, there are circumstances that are called a lot of ministers to fall out of it. And I'm thankful to my president. I, I spoke to him this week about this topic and he, mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. was, he was adamant in saying, this is a good topic. Because yeah, yeah. We need to encourage more young ministers to go yeah. into the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we just want to urge you, no matter what the circumstances are, yeah. stay prayed up, get yourself a very good, very, very, very good, um, counselor or mentor. Yeah that you can use uh, to utilize, to bounce ideas off of, plan yourself strategically, ask the right questions about finances and about um, personal mental health and strength and boundaries and all of these different things when you walk into it. Be more prepared yeah. for the calling that you are walking into. And I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, just kind of put that out there. Like, as you talk about mentorship, you know, we really need to just kind of see if we can make that happen. Like, I don't really have a, you know, any stake in the game, but, you know, in most jobs, like year one, they assign you to a mentor. And so I would really encourage that. But really, I just want to give a big shout out to Jeremiah because mm. when we interviewed him, he really, I mean, he really spoke to me. Like he really just made my you heart glad. Um, and so I'd really like to see him, you know, give him an opportunity to talk to some more young people too mm -hmm. about what their calling is and how they can just follow what God has for their lives the way that he is doing so well as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, because I need, we need our church to have a future. I need a church for my daughters, right? They're yeah. nine and ten. Like I need yeah. them to have a church to grow up in. And if God delays his coming, you know, to have their children in, but right now you know it's not looking as bright as we would want it to so we we need we need to we need to take care of our pastors and you know encourage others to become pastors yeah i i i agree absolutely and and i would say also to um jeremiah and to all the other pastors up and coming pastors that is there um listen stay humble stay humble yeah Look, in all things, humility is key. And stay approachable. And stay approachable. Stay approachable. Speaking of pastors. Hey! First of all, first of all, okay, I just want to see. Pastor Grissom said, this was a good one tonight. Thank you. All right, Tanique said, this was good, y'all. They're ready for us to end. We're, what are you doing here? Came to 10 minutes. We, we're an hour and a half podcast. He has 10 minutes. I came to do the benediction. <laughs> well, you came right on time, preacher. Yo, that meeting, that meeting must have been... It's good to see you. Okay, we'll, see talk, you we'll, we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. <laughs> he said we could go for another hour. <laughs> Yo, e, no, talk. but seriously, it, it's good. You, you good? I'm you good. Know? We here. We, we alive. But, uh, what's up, Doc? What's up, Feldy? <laughs> I, I, I would, I, yo, he talk, just really no, quick. No, you know what I want to know from Edsel? Like, because Edsel, when I met Edsel, he was at Stony Brook. Hey, friend. Yes. So, like, tell us, you know, about your calling. Dudley told us about his. 
Man. I was in the first hour mark. I was okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I was running. I was running with everything I had. Yes. I, didn't, I wasn't pursuing this at all. Um, in fact, I had started to sense the call. My friends had started to say, you're going to be a pastor. And I told yes. them, you're crazy. Because when I saw church politics and I looked at the salary that pastors made, I was like, I want no parts. <laughs> I was like, I can be a good Christian. Because while Dudley was running, Dudley was running um, the Bible Unplugged. Bible Unplugged, Brooklyn. yeah, in Brooklyn. I was running Friday Night Live, which turned into First Resurrection Ministries uh, in Queens. So it's like we had our boroughs of like influence where we were doing our Friday night programming. And I was hosting. So because I was hosting, people started asking me to preach. And I was like, okay, sure. So I would go and I would preach. And it was crazy because I had this experience where there was a stretch where people were asking me to preach on various topics. And before they would ask me to preach, I'd write a sermon on that very same topic. And then I get a Mercy. phone call. Wow. We want you to preach about this. And it's like, I just wrote that. And it's like, okay, so we're ready to go. Um, so people started saying, all right, you know, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 thanks. I can, you know, get a, get a well-paying job and do other things. No, we are not going another hour. <laughs> no, <laughs> nah, we're not doing it. Um, so what ended up happening? After um, I graduated from Stony Brook, I went down south for a youth conference and I started to see ministry just in a different light. I saw it more organized and more uh, effective and more strategic than I'd ever seen it before. And there I accepted the call to ministry, went back home, told my parents that I feel like God is calling me to ministry. Mercy. They were discouraging me. They were like, no, 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 just go to law school. I had just taken the LSATs and I got the scores that I needed to go to the school, to go to law school that I wanted to go to. But I didn't study for the LSATs the second time around. And God still gave me that score. And I believe that that was God telling me two things. One, I believe it was God telling me that if I put him first, he'll take care of me. And then number two, it was God also assuring me that me going into ministry wasn't because I wouldn't be able to cut it as an attorney. Mercy. Like, that confidence. Because if the score hadn't been what it needed to be, I always would have had this lingering doubt. Like, am I good enough? Could I have done exactly, it? Mm. Exactly. So went off to That's seminary, awesome. um, didn't have housing, didn't have a lot of the things I needed to get started, but rented a minivan. My parents came with me. They dropped me off. When I got to campus, I got housing on campus because I didn't have a car. Um, and even then, I was telling everybody, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a chaplain. I'm going to do something else because I was just in denial. But then on campus, like doors and opportunities just kept opening up. And finally, my final year of seminary, I was like, all right, God, like if you want me to be a pastor, fine, I guess. And <laughs> yeah, the Lord just. No, I mean, listen, Edsel's <laughs> being so modest, right? So. I met, don't look at me like that. I met him when he was in Stony Brook. A friend of ours that was at Stony Brook was like, oh, we were doing, I was planning our first youth retreat for Flatbush, SDA. Ah. And he was like, yo, I got the perfect dude. Like, he goes to, I'm like, he goes to Stony Brook. Like, what do I want him for? Like, but Edsel came to our first youth retreat for my church. And I mean, like, he changed our lives. Crazy. Our, it was crazy. I was, was on my job. A lot of years ago. 
I was on my Jonathan Kwaku back then. That's what I was doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was like, who is this dude? <laughs> and we just kept inviting him. Like when he was at Andrews, like he he would come and do stuff for us. I'm like, yo, this dude is gonna be somebody. Right. Like, yes. It's so crazy. yeah, you you have a powerful calling over your life. I'm glad you followed it. Yeah, that's I'm what grateful. we need. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I almost jumped ship. I almost jumped ship during the pandemic. Really? Yeah. I was almost out. I was like, I don't know anymore. Wow. So yeah. what kept you? Um, going back to school and getting the tools that I got as a clinician, as a therapist, mm. really, it helped me start doing this in a healthy way. The reason I almost jumped ship was because it, it I just... The way I was doing it wasn't sustainable. It was taking too much out of me um, to the point where I got sick. I got yeah. sick um, my final year at Cambridge and I was just doing it the wrong way. Just, I wasn't taking care of myself and I, did, I didn't know how to manage the emotional, uh, psychological stress and that was having an impact on my body. So it was just, it was too much, but it's crazy because now that I've developed these skills and tools and coping mechanisms, it's like I'm doing twice as much that I did at Cambridge, but okay. I'm much healthier. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Because of the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. Mm. Boundaries. Yes. Yeah. And also, when you don't know who you are, man. Hey. Figured out who you are in ministry. Ah, oh, man. Yep. Like, they, they, there's something they call like like the the, the post Sabbath hangover, where it's like. <laughs> after you preach or post preaching hangover oh, where yeah. like you wake up the next day you're like i can't believe i did that i can't believe i said that and that thing can follow you the whole week yeah like and you're just beating yourself up because of that one or two mistakes or five mistakes however mm -hmm. um so Rodney do, Griswold, yo, yo, <laughs> yo, e, 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 do you do you watch your sermons back no <laughs> <laughs> i should I should because I grew as a preacher during the pandemic because I mm -hmm. had to watch myself preach. So I'm able, but like before, I couldn't even hear my own voice. Like, like just the sound of my voice, I was like, "There's no way." I press pause. I'm like, "I'm not." <laughs> but now, if I need to listen to a sermon, I can go back and I can I can re-listen. Yeah, I do it all the time. It's all the time. It's game film. You got yeah, a game it. film. That's exactly that's exactly how I treat it. Exactly how I treat it. Look at these two. Look at these. I believe you though. I believe you. Game film. Yeah, man. So I should have delivered that line with so, with a little bit more. All the you know the the the, the transition was mm -hmm. a little different. I could have put more in that transition. Yeah, yeah. But I can appreciate that. That that's a very um high level piece of execution. I don't think a lot of people do that, and they would probably benefit from it. So. Thank you. Thank Who you. Did she so just thank you. Now. <laughs> what? Hey, last, last thing. Tell tell the people. Give give people some advice uh, or a young minister that's watching today. Some advice on on on, on yeah. filling their calling into ministry. Mm -hmm. On doing what with their calling? Yeah, fulfilling their call to pastoral ministry. Oh man. Um, <laughs> there are a few things I learned along the way. So mm -hmm. one. Some that it takes about 10 years for you to find your voice as a preacher. So be patient with yourself. 10 years. Yeah, it takes 10 years. Um, and I'm I'm at year 10 and I'm like, oh, I know what they're talking about. Um, the other thing I'd say is, um, there's a quote from 
Michael Eric Dyson, where he says, you learn to sound like somebody else until you learn to sound like yourself. Mercy. And so like you mimic, you learn, you watch, you grow, and then suddenly you find your own voice. So mm -hmm. um, this is not only when it comes to preaching, but this is just in terms of your own identity, in terms mm -hmm. of leadership and, and how you mm -hmm. handle things, right? Um, so it's it's okay and natural, I think, to copy a lot when you're beginning, and then you start to figure out like what, wh who am I, like, and what what's really flowing out of me, um, and then, and and I say that to also say like you don't have to do it like other people. Like I I spent right. a lot of time in my ministry beating myself up because I didn't sound like this person, or I didn't do it like that person, mm -hmm. and then now that I have found how Edsel is supposed to do it. There's just so much freedom and so much more effectiveness um, doing it that way. So um, yeah, going on that journey of, of really dissecting how you did what you did, really thinking through um, the, the personal vulnerabilities. Oh, if you want to affirm your call, get healthy, get physically healthy, get emotionally healthy, get mentally healthy. Um, if you don't figure out what triggers you and what's going on with you, that stuff is going to come out in your congregation. Um, and that's, that's something I stumbled into um, before entering ministry, like professionally full time. Like I, I stumbled into, into therapy and seminary and it changed everything. Like I look back and I'm like, man, if I hadn't done that, mm. there would have been some issues. So, wow. um, yeah. And then there's a book. There's a book I highly recommend. Um, the book is by Reggie McNeil, and it is called, hey, Jojo. Um, it's by Reggie McNeil, and it is called A Work of Heart. A Work of Heart. A Work of Heart. Work of heart. And it takes you through how God shapes the hearts of leaders, mm -hmm. their calling, and how he preserves leaders as well. Um, absolutely incredible book, something I revisit every single year. Um, so those are the things I recommend. And then get some friends. Listen, get some friends. Get people in your life who can see the person behind the pastor. You're talking to Mike. Hey, Jojo. Hey, Jojo. Hey, Jojo. Good to see you. Yeah, get people in Oh, yeah, Ingrid. Hi, baby girl. Oh, sorry. Continue, Edsel. Yeah, no, get people in your life who who are mature enough yeah. to see the person behind the pastor mm -hmm. and respect and honor both, who can mm -hmm. see the faults of the person and still respect the role of the pastor. Not Amen. everybody has the maturity to do both. Mm -hmm. So, but find those people. That's yeah. critical. Because you, you can't you can't be past the 24-7. No. You, you have to have places where you can just be yourself. I got a I got um I got a I got a word from um uh Pastor Cortez. So uh he definitely wants to have a part two to this. Oh so what we'll happened to him? We'll follow yeah. I'll tell you all, I'll tell you all I'll tell you all things. <laughs> I'll tell you offline. Off, off I'd be life um, and pastor and be pastoring. That that's that's it. Um, but I want to I want to thank everybody for being with us today. We had a great crowd tonight. Yeah, great, thank you for your comments. They, you know why, host? Because they missed us. Yes, 
Yes, and we'll be back. We'll be back before February is over. Yes. Or with another episode. And Praise I'll be on God. on time. I'm not going to be on my Michelle Moda next time. Excuse <laughs> me. That's Michelle Moda poiser to you. Thank you very much. Oh, true. Me, true, true, true. Poiser. Poiser. Okay. Yes. But everybody, thank you so much for being with us today. We hope you, you guys enjoyed. And for us, I think it's a wrap, everybody. Nice. From all of us. Bye, Jojo. <laughs> now you gotta say it real loud. Say, say, say bye, Northeastern Conference. Bye, Northeastern Conference.